sketches of slave life by peter randolph chapter three this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three farms adjoining edloe's plantation i will give my readers a little knowledge concerning the neighbors of my owner that they may be able to judge of slavery by something more than the character of one slaveholder or his management among his slaves edloe's farm was what was called upper brandon on james river it consisted of about fifty-six square miles and was worked by eighty-one slaves william b harrison owned middle brandon his farm was about one hundred and square miles he owned over two hundred slaves of their treatment i shall speak and also of the numerous overseers he had employed george b harrison the owner of my father owned lower brandon his farm was the same in size as his brother's and he owned the same number of slaves william b harrison fed his slaves what is called regular in virginia he was one of the best feeders on james river he clothed them well too but he was a great flogger and probably the greatest in the region in his dealings with those who were not slaves he was upright never deceiving but always doing as he agreed if any other case than slavery came before him he would make a liberal decision in favor of right but he would have his slaves whipped whenever the overseer wished it sometimes he would go to church and preach to his slaves i have heard him myself but my readers it did seem like mocking god for such as he to stand up and preach the first overseer of mr harrison's that i knew was benjamin bishop under his reign many of the slaves went into the presence of their god to show the bloody stripes of the lash received from benjamin bishop harrison did not care for his slaves as the man who owned me did but left them to the mercy of the overseers go to the south reader there you will see many mulattoes the descendants of benjamin bishop he continued with harrison several years when being sent down to richmond to sell some negroes he made one hundred dollars more than he was to pay his employer therefore he concluded to take the business of human traffic into his own hands and became a nigger trader he was not very successful in his undertaking being too fond of what is called a toddy in the southern states he became a great drunkard and a great gambler vices intimately connected with the peculiar institution and was obliged to give up his business he was afterward employed by edloe my master but he did not live with him long before he was discharged for his unmerciful treatment of the blacks death called to him soon and he was ushered into the awful presence of the righteous judge who listens to the cries of the poor widows and the orphans with his guilty hands dripping with the blood of his fellow-creatures who had sunk groaning to the earth beneath his barbed heel of cruel oppression the next man who took charge of this farm was john q adams this man notwithstanding his noble name was a disgrace to civilization for when he had beaten his victims till their bodies could bear no more he would lash the bottoms of their feet my readers this may seem incredible but it is truth harrison's slaves trembled at the very mention of his name and the sight of him would bring woe and terror to their very souls the poor creatures would wish that the earth would open and swallow them that they might never look upon the face of adams again or hear the sound of his voice his voice had all the fearful sound of the roaring lion and the hideous howl of the prowling wolf 
i verily believe his organs of speech were made of the hardest granite fastened together with monstrous iron bolts as his victims were dripping with their own blood he would bellow forth his curses and dare them to call on god for help groanings and sorrow pains and misery untold unspeakable were the portion of the negroes upon harrison's plantation adams practised everything that was mean cruel devilish everything that could be thought of by demons this conduct continued eleven years before i left virginia in eighteen forty seven i could give a great many more truths concerning this j q adams that may seem too outrageous for a human being to conceive i would not do injustice to any one not even a slave-driver for i know i must stand at the bar of the eternal and render an account of every word spoken in the flesh i know that in order to do good my testimony must be the truth the next overseer was hardin harrison he owned three slaves himself but was very religious and belonged to the presbyterian church he did not beat so much as adams but was very strict with the slaves he used to say his prayers every night and grace before his meals sometimes his grace failed him and then the poor slave must expect something more than soft words or gentle treatment he never yet had grace sufficient to excuse any little fault in a negro he used to quote moses law to whip by his face was very narrow and hypocritical he had just enough of professed religion to deceive he was one of those calculated to deceive northern visitors who saw him go on with his solemn ceremonies of religion to make them believe that good and religious men guided the poor ignorant blacks and kept them from sinking entirely into the blackness of heathenism then mr harrison would take just enough of his toddy to make him feel as good as anybody else he lived with mr w b harrison as long as he wished then left and went home to his own farm the next overseer was named edloe he used to call himself the snapping turtle and would rawhide the slaves so they would be obliged to wind cotton around their persons to protect their wounds from their clothing of other things of which he was guilty delicacy forbids me to speak judge for yourselves he continued there three years and was at it when i left virginia one more of these men i have not mentioned whose name was lad it should have been hornet i cannot speak of the actions of this man without a shrinking from the fact that i ever knew such a being he made men and women to growl and bark like dogs at all hours of the night you might find lad in the woods with his dogs prowling about after some skulking fugitive and all day driving and whipping the persecuted victims till they were almost driven to self-murder which nothing but the belief that those who take their own lives cannot be happy in another world kept them from the slaves used to run away to edloe and get him to go and beg mercy for them and he would do so for two years lad managed in this way then the great judge called him from earth to give an account of his bloody deeds some of my readers may ask why we were always afflicted with such horrid men as overseers in our region and if there were no good ones 
ah dear reader do you think a good man would take such a position and what man is there who would not become worse daily by being placed in such a situation with unlimited power over hundreds of abject beings whom he looks upon as only a little above the brute ah ye who look coolly on in the distance and doubt the existence of all this wretchedness go nearer become yourself the property of another and then your doubts will be removed the first overseer i knew of on george harrison's plantation was charles charbour devilish is the only word which will describe his character my father was a colored driver under him and he was made to beat his fellow-slaves most unmercifully and there was no escape unless he would have submitted to a worse fate if possible for himself charbour has been known to cut the skin with a knife from the poor black man's feet that he might not run away or that the saying i will cut off every inch of your black hide might be literally fulfilled truly he was one toward whom the blood of the slave will cry whenever he approaches those fields of labor or wanders by the swamps or by the riverside there was no peace for man woman or child wherever he followed harrison who owned the slaves was a young man at this time and cared for nothing so charber had everything his own way god in his mercy visited this farm with a great calamity the cholera came among the slaves and carried many to their rest the very atmosphere at this time seemed to burn with evil and wrong for the poor negroes so that death was their best friend many of my father's relations were owned here and well we knew of the sufferings which their owner allowed and sought no means to alleviate harrison's conduct at last made him an object of scorn and indignation to most of the people who knew him one day he was on business at the courthouse and while he was seated among many gentlemen who were strangers to him they commenced a conversation about young harrison and his abominable course in regard to his people very freely they discussed his character and he had the benefit of their opinion from their own mouths he went home rather humbled and commenced the work of reformation on his plantation charbour was forbidden to whip so much and the slaves were really treated better that season was to the slaves what the conversion of paul was to the church he had persecuted there was rest for a little season shortly after this sudden change in george harrison he died when the clouds of darkness again fell upon those poor negroes his brother became the guardian of the estate and everything was left in the hands of the overseers who used their powers as bad men might be expected to another neighbor of ours or rather of my master's was his brother his plantation was called willow hill and was very large this mr edlow owned two farms one in cumberland county and a great many slaves many of these slaves were related to me and those of my fellows who came north with me william allen owned a large farm across from lower brandon in surrey county called claremont he also owned twelve other farms and nine hundred and ninety-nine slaves he was uncle to edlow my owner and was considered the richest man in virginia except old bob balling of petersburg he was not a good man he was possessed of none of the virtues but some of the vices of king solomon he was very fond of the young females yet he was married to no one 
he was very cruel to his people and used what is called the bell and horns on his slaves to keep them from running away he used to chain them together with a long chain with heavy fastenings at the end of the chain the bell and horns were a harness made so as to fasten on the slave's neck with a band of iron that would go round the neck to which was attached another band that passed over the top of the head about three feet perpendicular then turned with a hook so as to hook over the limbs of trees if the slave should attempt running in the swamps out of sight of the overseer he always kept a good stock of them on hand to use as you would use bells for cows that you might find them easily if they strayed some of his slaves were put to death by his overseers but he did not trouble himself about it he had plenty more ah my readers more blood has been drawn from allen's slaves than he would be willing to carry upon his shoulders for one moment he was very close with his slaves with regard to food and clothes and those who lived along the rivers used to catch fish at stolen moments so as to keep themselves along from time to time until allen died when that occurred edloe immediately went over and freed all the poor creatures from their harnesses leg irons and handcuffs allen had freed his coloured sons and about eight others the rest of his slaves he gave to one of his nephews named william allen he gave one of his farms to be divided among all his relations edloe was one and he drew eighteen of those slaves who were all freed with myself the rest went to drudge with their new masters under a bondage worse than egyptian cabin point there was but one village near brandon where the large farms were cultivated and that was in surrey county about seven miles from lower brandon this village was called cabin point and there the united states mail stopped five or six stores were kept there and it was a great place for loafers for at these stores you could buy almost everything especially rum and other liquors saturdays and sundays all the lower classes of whites and free coloured people used to assemble there to drink and gamble no slaves were allowed there unless sent by their masters with a pass cabin point was famous for its fighting drunkenness and every kind of degradation the whites beat the free-coloured people there and they dare not raise their hands lest they should be mobbed females were not safe there an instant nothing could protect them from the violence of those drunken desperadoes if any good man from the north should witness one of these scenes he would think it indicative of anything but civilization this place was the rendezvous for all the rowdies of prince george and surrey counties there the overseers would meet for their drunken revels and return to the farms to make the backs of the outraged negroes pay the bills for their debauchery there were many wealthy men there who owned many human beings the most prominent among them were mr peters a sledge dr strong and dr graves dr graves was so cruel and wicked he would not take time even to whip his slaves but would use his knife on them he would chain them on their backs and give them nothing to eat for two or three days at a time he was called the best physician in the place but he was as good a devil as i could wish to see he was employed by all the large farmers to attend their slaves in sickness and was very fond of the female slaves to whom he was a good doctor 
i will not spend time to write more of him he was so wicked my feelings become excited and language fails me in speaking of him dr strong was a mild man as fine a man as i ever knew among slaveholders he was not cruel he looked upon his negroes as human beings possessed of feelings and as capable of enjoyment and suffering as himself and he treated them kindly he appeared to be a christian but still he held his fellow-men in bondage he did not allow them to act for themselves and work for themselves even kind-hearted dr strong could not live out the precepts of jesus and remain a slaveholder he was succeeded by dr gray who though a very strict man among his people was not cruel mr peters was not as bad as many other slaveholders though he used to whip his slaves to keep them tame for fear they would run wild mr peters was a mild whipping slaveholder died a slaveholder and will receive a slaveholder's reward amos sledge was very cruel and inhuman in the treatment of his people he worked them very hard fed them very poorly clothed them but scantily whipped them unmercifully and allowed them no privileges they were a downcast heartbroken set of people End of chapter three